Please rise for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 26. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sister sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of the world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Well, the only word that I can think of, James and Greg and Patsy, is remarkable for the music that has prepared our hearts this morning. Thank you so much to our youth ensemble and our virtual choir and the joy of seeing this multi-generational music that has been shared with us has strengthened our faith. Thank you to Mason and Casey and Shelby, praise team, all who have led us today. And especially to those of you who are here and those of you who are streaming with us on this incredibly special day. 
Over the last eight months, since about March the 7th, one of the struggles, one of the difficulties that we have experienced as a church is the inability to attend funerals and memorial services for people that we love, for friends, for dear ones. This is something that I think most of us, including me, has taken for granted prior to COVID. And of course, in the last eight months, in most cases, we've been able to have some kind of service of remembrance for each of our dear ones. At times, we've had as few as 10 people in the room and at times as many as 90. I've been saying to our staff the last several months, the smaller the funeral, the more important the service. And I think it's true. But this morning, through in-person worship and through live stream, we're able to somehow be all together in this moment to remember the saints for this Remembrance Day. It's interesting to me, if you've been to a funeral, you know that the liturgy that we use for the service of death and resurrection always begins with what we call the words of grace. The pastor stands beside the coffin or beside the urn in the columbarium and recites the words that come directly from the text that we just read. Jesus speaking says, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though you die, yet shall you live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And thus the funeral service begins with this implicit reverent reference to the death of Lazarus. A friend of Jesus, John says, one whom Jesus dearly loved. It's interesting, his word, his name in Aramaic is the word Eleazar, which means God helps. You know Lazarus, you know that Lazarus had two siblings. Yes, he had two sisters that were as different as night and day. Mary and Martha, who lived in Bethany, which was a suburb of Jerusalem, just two miles east of the city. And more than that, you remember Luke chapter 10, how he recalls a dinner party that was thrown in their home for Jesus. And in that party, the kitchen table became the lectern and the dining room became the classroom for Jesus to teach. In John chapter 11, the scene begins with a message sent to Jesus. Apparently, Lazarus is sick. We don't know the specifics, whether it was a virus, we don't know. Was it a stroke? We don't know. A heart attack? We don't know. What we do know is that the sisters of Lazarus are desperately trying to get in touch with their rabbi. And so they send a message, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, that's not just a statement. They're not just sharing information. That's an implicit request. They're interceding. They're petitioning their rabbi. They figure if Jesus knows the problem, he'll come at once. But when Jesus hears, and this is rather odd, what does he do? He stays put for two days. Now, that's odd. I don't know if you've discovered this or not, but I have discovered that Jesus has his own calendar. 
Jesus has his own sense of timing and he doesn't always align it with mine. Now the disciples don't want to go to Bethany for good reason. Bethany is too close to Jerusalem and Jerusalem is the danger zone. But after two days later, they make the trip to Bethany, albeit it appears as though Jesus is a day late and a dollar short. In fact, when they get to Bethany, Lazarus is gone. He's long gone. He'd been dead for four days. And in the ensuing two similar but separate scenes, Jesus is met at the outskirts of Bethany by each sister, first Martha, then Mary. And it's fascinating to me what they say. They essentially say the same thing to Jesus. This is what they say. Lord, if you had been here, this would not have happened. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. In other words, what they're saying is this. Jesus, we called, but you didn't come. We prayed, but you didn't answer. We sent word, but you didn't show. What these two women are really saying is this, Jesus, where have you been? You know what they're doing. They're doing something that I do from time to time. I'm sure you don't. They're fussing at Jesus. They're lamenting. There's an old Yiddish word for it. They're kvetching. They're complaining. They're critiquing Jesus. And when you think about it, in our Jewish, in our Judeo-Christian history, that is a part of an honest prayer, the honest expression of anguish, of complaint, of, of misunderstanding, of grief. Now, this may surprise you, but pe- preachers hear it a lot, complaining, present company excluded, of course, Preachers hear it a lot. In fact, I I think we contribute our share to it too because we have to be able, we have to be able, especially in this place, to express our pain as well as our joy. Not to put on a face, but to share our hurt as well as our praise. We have to. Tom Long, Dr. Tom Long, who was my son's preaching professor at Emory University, came here and preached for us. You remember that several years ago? He did a seminar for the Tennessee Conference clergy trying to help us with our preaching. And he told us a story I'll never forget about one of his PhD students who was looking for a church, but she couldn't find the kind of church that she needed. And he said, what kind of church are you looking for? And she said, well, I love music, and I'm looking for a church that not only has a praise band, but also has a lament band. Lord, where have you been? The inclusion of this complaint in John's gospel, I think, parallels our own experience. I know it does mine. There are times when trouble comes. There are moments, seasons, when tragedy happens, when death comes near, and it feels like God is delayed. It feels like God is unaware. Jesus is inattentive, perhaps, He's asleep to my need. 
Some of you were here last week or you streamed and heard Laura Brantley's sermon. Dr. Brantley preached on the storm text from Mark 4. It's a wonderful sermon of how Jesus and friends, you remember, were crossing the sea when suddenly, as often occurred on the Sea of Galilee, a squall came up. The clouds came, the winds and waves blew up against that boat until the ship was about to capsize. The disciples were having a panic attack, a hissy fit, and they turned to Jesus and what was Jesus doing? He was in the stern of the boat, lying down on a cushion, asleep. (laughs) And they woke him up and said, this is what they said, teacher, don't you care that we're about to go under? Aren't you aware of our need? And the faith journey includes these moments. In fact, some of you here and some of you watching today, you're in that boat this morning. There is a grief that you're carrying that is too heavy for you, and it's almost more than you can bear. And you need to know, you need to know that you're not alone. If you're in that boat, may I say you've come to the right place. You've dialed in to the right website because though God does not spare us from trouble, neither does he abandon us in our trouble. But we feel it. Lord, if you'd been here, we called. Where have you been? That's the pain talking. And that's a part of the journey, isn't it? This journey of faith is not simply butterfly kisses, is it? It can be, it can be painful. It can be difficult. It contains broken hallelujahs as well. Now, the problem with Jesus, for me, is that Jesus doesn't jump every time I say jump. You ever notice that? He doesn't. Jesus doesn't panic like we tend to do. Somehow, the Lord sees beneath the surface things that we cannot see. In fact, he had previously in this story said to his disciples, this illness will not end in death. Rather, it is for God's glory. Now, notice he doesn't say this illness will not pass through death. He says it won't end in death. And so Jesus' response to this storm is not dictated by panic but by providence. In other words, unlike us, Jesus doesn't knee jerk. He knee bends. He doesn't just react. He's proactive. And here's what I love about Martha. I love Martha. In many ways, I I think Martha is the female equivalent of Simon Peter. She's just always moving. Here's what I love about Martha. In the same breath that she's fussing at Jesus, she's also professing faith in Jesus. You see that? In that line that follows her complaint, listen to what she says, but even now, Lord, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. I love that. Even when she doesn't understand, she trusts. She runs to her rabbi even when she's hurt with her rabbi and I think we need to take a page from Martha friend when you're hurting don't run from Jesus 
Run to Jesus. Run to the one who says, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. Run to the one who says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Run to the one who says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. She trusted in him, even while she was fussing (laughs) at him. And then Jesus says, Martha... He reminds her of their theology. Your brother will rise again. The Pharisees believed in the end time resurrection. Your brother will rise again. And she says, I know that. I agree with you theologically, Jesus. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection, that is on the last day. And then Jesus looks her square in the eye and says, I am the resurrection and the life. In the fourth gospel, there are seven I am sayings of Jesus. When Jesus says I am, it sounds as if he's God. I am the bread of life, he said. I am the light of the world. I am the door to the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, truth, and the life. I am the vine. I am the resurrection. And if you believe in me, even if you die yet shall you live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks the question, do you believe this? I want to ask you, do you actually believe this? And Martha said, yes. Mary has a similar encounter with Jesus And then watch this. And then they go to the cemetery for the interment, they think. Where Jesus is so overcome by grief, he actually weeps. John 11, 35, and Jesus wept. One of the greatest verses in all the scripture where Jesus so identifies with the sorrow of his friends that he breaks down and weeps with them. And here's where it really gets interesting. Jesus then gives an unusual command. Remove the stone from the tomb. And again, this is so Martha. Martha reacts. She objects so much for the faith she had just displayed. Lord, there's going to be an odor. There's going to be a stench. She's been dead for four days. The body is already decaying. There was a belief in ancient days that after the deceased passed, For the first three days, the spirit of the deceased would hover over the tomb. But on the fourth day, as the body began to decompose, the spirit would depart. And this is day four. This is John's way of saying, Lazarus is history. (laughs) Lazarus is graveyard dead. And then Jesus begins to pray. That's a signal. You watch out when Jesus prays. Something's going to happen. And it's a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesus is praying for what is about to happen. And then he says in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's a good thing that Jesus attached a name to the command or the whole cemetery would have gotten up. Lazarus, come out. And he did. That's power talking 
to the pain. <laughs> and he did. And there's one other detail worth noting. When Lazarus came out of the tomb, he came out wearing his grave clothes. He had his shroud. But a few chapters later, in the resurrection of Jesus, what did Jesus do with his grave clothes? He left them behind. What does that mean? Lazarus would need his grave clothes again, but Jesus doesn't need them anymore. He has defeated death once and for all. I am the resurrection and the life. I've read through these scriptures. You've read through these synoptics tracing the ministry of Jesus. And I have yet to find a scene where Jesus ever did a funeral. He did resurrections. I am. James Baldwin wrote a book called The Fire Next Time in which he said this. This is a classic quote. The Lord never seems to get there exactly when you want him. But when he arrives, he's always on time. Last word. We have friends, the Higgins family is here with us today. I did a funeral on Thursday. It was a privilege, Casey, and I did the funeral for Andy Higgins. He died of COVID. He was 73 years of age. He and Linda, 50 years, married. Their adult children, Ansley, Scott, Julie, Julie's with us today told me before the service that in spite of Andy's work, and he, was, he had quite a work ethic, in spite of his work, working long days and sometimes nights, the man never missed a ball game when they were children, never missed a track meet or a ski competition or a swim meet. And they said that whenever we were competing in the field of play, though we couldn't see him, we could hear his voice calling out our name. Over and above all the noise of the crowd, they heard their father calling their names and cheering them to the finish. And that's what this day is all about. We're going to call the names, and when we do it, you can be assured that they too have heard a voice calling them out and that they are officially done with grave clothes. They're a part of the cloud of witnesses, the communion of saints, and they're cheering us on here and now to be faithful to the finish in life, in death, in life beyond death, to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Amen.